Bibles with you today, let's look over at Matthew 25. Matthew 25. Hey, when I came in here, the praise and worship was kicking. Okay. Step up, sound system. It was kicking this morning. I like it. It can always get louder for me, but it was kicking this morning. I appreciated that. Thank you, sound man. I mean, we got an expensive sound system. Might as well use it. Sounded good. So, um... Before we read Matthew 25, a couple announcements real quick. Um, First of all, uh, just a reminder about continuing the uh, First 15 Challenge. Some of you remember that. And um, just a reminder about that, we're still doing that, the First 15 Challenge. It's five minutes of uh, praise or thanksgiving, five minutes of prayer, and five minutes of the Word. So easy. Uh, We just got to do it. But it's easy to do. And so just a reminder about that. And guess what? You can go beyond 21 days. Right? You're supposed to start a new habit. This is not just for the first 21 days and forget that uh, the Word of God exists the rest of the year. No. Um, This is supposed to start a good habit in your life that's never going to stop. So um, just to encourage you to keep doing that. And you can add some time on. How about that? You could add some time on if you felt like it. Um, so continue the first 15 challenge. And before we read in Matthew, let me say this. Could you do me a favor? This Tuesday, could you please be here? (laughs) Half of you. All right, let me try that one more time. Could you do me a favor? This Tuesday, could you be here? Can you help me? (laughs) No. (laughs) Because we have a special guest speaker. And uh, I know a lot of you do come back on Tuesdays, but those of you who maybe just come Sunday morning, uh, I encourage you, let's come Tuesday night because we have a guest speaker named Pastor Joel Sims. He's from uh, Jackson, Mississippi, and he uh, took over a church from his father when his father passed away when he was 19 years old. And he uh, has a testimony to tell because when he took over, it went downhill for a while because he was 19 years old. And it was sudden because his dad passed away. And uh, just he has a story to tell because he has a testimony uh, to tell about how they transitioned their church, how they changed their church. And now he's in his 30s, and their church is uh, running several thousand every Sunday. And uh, they have brand new buildings all paid off. And they're actually about to build another new building that seats, I think, at least two or 3,000 people. They already have a building that seats a 1,000. Um, so they, he has a testimony to tell you on transition. And so he's going to talk about transition and change and, and not just what the pastors and leaders should do, but what the church should do when that happens. And um, recently, I mean, this is the kind of results. We're not inviting some guy who transitioned and their church is no longer in existence. Uh, he has some fruit in his life. And so I know recently they had a special... kind of weekend to really reach people, which they're reaching people every weekend. But they had on the weekend services, now they have four or five services to fit everybody in. On the weekend services, he's probably not going to tell you this when he gets here because he's a humble man. But on the weekend services, they had 5,000 people come to their weekend services and over 500 salvations in one weekend. So this is a church that's doing some things for the kingdom of God. And uh, there's some fruit there. So that's the kind of impartations we want in this house. You know, we can see that bigger vision that, you know, they're reaching thousands of people. And and having in one weekend, not not a whole year, one weekend, 500 people get saved. And uh, so that's who's going to be coming Tuesday night. So if you can be here Tuesday, uh, please be here Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. So let's turn to Matthew 25. I know most of you are already there. Matthew 25, and we're going to start in verse 14. Matthew 25 and verse 14, it says, For the kingdom of God is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to the one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, and to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. And then he, had received, he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had two gained two more. But he who received one dug it in the ground and hid the Lord's money. 
And after a long time, the Lord's servants came to settle the accounts. And he received the five talents and came and brought the five other talents to him, saying, Lord, you have delivered to me these five talents, and look, I have gained five more. And his Lord said, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few. I'll make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And he also received the man who had two talents. And he said, Lord, uh, you gave me two, and look, I have gained two more. And the Lord said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of the Lord. You still here? Verse 24, then he received the one with one talent, and the Lord said, I know you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. In verse 25, he said, I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, therefore, what is yours? But his Lord answered and said, you wicked and lazy servant, you know not what I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered. So you have ought to deposit my money with bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own interest. Therefore take the talent from him and give it to the man who has ten talents. In verse 29, listen to what it says. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But for him who does not have, even what he seems to have will be taken away. So today we want to talk about first in your talents. But the title of my message is this, don't hide it. Now look at your neighbor and say, don't hide it. Look at your other neighbor and say, don't hide it. And so if you've been here for a couple weeks, you know this that we've been talking about first. We've been talking about the importance of how do we practically put God first in our life. How do we put God first in our Monday through Saturday, not just on Sundays? And so we've been talking about first, in the first week we talked about putting God first in our time. And then last week we talked about putting God first in our treasure. And this week we're going to talk about putting God first in our talent. And so let's have an open heart to receive what we have to say today. So we're going to be focusing on what does it mean to put God first in our talent. And so we started with this chapter in Matthew, which is a parable of Jesus parable pretty much means it's just a story that Jesus told to explain something that's spiritual. He used a natural example, but he's talking about something that's spiritual. And he, he does this all over the Gospels. He uses parables or stories because, how many know it's easier for people to hear a story than you just to teach somebody some random spiritual ideas? Especially for the people that he was talking to who were spiritually dead. They had no idea a lot of times what Jesus was talking to. So he, he got a story using what they know to explain something that's spiritual. And so we're going to talk out of this story in Matthew 25. It's called the parable of the talents. And that's where we're going to focus today because we're talking about putting God first in our talent. Now, uh, to explain some of these things to you, you need to understand this. Now, I realize in context of the story, he's talking about a coin called a talent, which is a, a form of money in the time and day that they lived. And to understand this, a talent of that day was worth several thousand dollars, one talent. So sometimes we read the story and we act like, well, Jesus gave this man a penny. No wonder he didn't do anything with it. It's not that big a deal. <laughs> like, okay, thank you for giving me a penny. I don't care. I'm going to put it in my piggy bank or I'm going to hide it in the ground. Nobody cares about a penny. But a talent is worth a lot more than a penny. And so one talent is worth several thousand dollars in today's money. So you can imagine, he gave one man several thousand dollars to invest, to use, to do something with. He gave the other one two, and he gave the last one five. And so I know he's talking about, in the context of the story, he's talking about finances and what you do with God, what God has invested in you. And we we could talk about first in your treasure if you want to do it that way. But today we want to talk about this because it really means something deeper than just money here. Yes, it's important what you do with your money, and we talked about that last week, but God is trying to get us a story over on what He gives us. Now, we use the word talent differently than the way they use talent. When we talk about talent, we mean somebody's gifted. Somebody has an ability. Somebody is amazing. Somebody is on America's Got Talent. 
somebody's on American Idol, somebody's on The Voice, somebody's on all these shows, and we say, oh my gosh, they're so talented. They're so amazing. And so that's what we're going to talk about today because I think that's the, the deeper spiritual meaning of this passage in Matthew 25. So think about this. We, we might use different words today, but when he's talking about talent in the Gospels here, in the parable of the talents, he's really talking about whatever you are gifted or graced to do in your life. He's talking about the gift or the grace that's on your life. Now, in, in the Bible, if you look it up in the original language, it's really where the word, word we get charisma for. Or where we ultimately get the word charismatic from. Because people that are charismatic or spirit-filled or Pentecostals, they get that word because it's a real Greek word. And it's talking about something that the Spirit of God gives you that you don't give yourself. It is a gift from God. And we're a charismatic church. Can I get amen? It's kind of given that you say something when I say charismatic church. You're a charismatic church. Okay. Yeah. They kind of go hand in hand together. That's how it works. When you say charismatic, people speak, people move, people act wild. Okay, that's what charismatic people do because they're spirit-filled. So um, when we're talking about talent here, that's what the real meaning of this is. So if I use the word talent or gift or grace, we're all talking about the same thing, just different ways to say it. God has given everybody on the planet talents gifts, grace on their life to do something for the kingdom of God. He's given you a divine ability to do something and do something well. God has given every person on the planet at least one gift. Are you listening this morning? And every person on the planet has this gift, and really what that that gift or that grace is, it's a divine power or an ability to do what you're called to do. It's also the enabling or empowering work of the Spirit of God to do what you can't do in your own strength. You ever heard somebody say, well, they're just gifted in that way? Or they're just graced in that way and they they just got it. Well, God has given that to them. Whether they use it for the glory of God or not, people are all given gifts by God. And that's why sometimes it's sad we see sometimes in the world, we see people that are not using their God-given gifts or grace for the kingdom of God. They're not using that talent, that ability that God has given them to promote the kingdom of God. They're not putting God first in their talent. And so we see here that God has given every person on the planet a divine power and a divine ability to enable them and empower them to do what they're called to do. There is a gift and grace. There is talents on every person in this room's life. Do you know that? Some of you think there's not, but there is. Trust me. God has not made any accidents in heaven. He didn't make anybody on accident. He didn't, he didn't like, oh my gosh, man, you're coming to earth. I forgot about you. We didn't give you anything. No, that never happened. Before you got here, God already put gifts and talents and graces and ability on your life and in your life to do something for the kingdom of God and to make an impact on this world. God has put a divine ability or power or grace to do something with your life. Every person in here at least has one. At least one. Nobody's left out. Now, now the, the main issue is here, how do we find out what that is? Or how do we use it to put God first? Good thing you came to church today. <laughs> so God has given us a divine gift or grace. He's given us a talent to be used for His glory. And notice, eventually, just like it says in the story, eventually, when our life is over, we're going to have to give an account to the one who gave us these gifts. Now, this shouldn't be a scary thing, shouldn't be a fearful thing, but it should make us have a sober responsibility that God has given us these things, and eventually we're going to have to give an account of what we did with what he's given us. Now, today when we're talking about gift and grace and and talents and ability, I want you to think bigger than the church. 
Can you do that for me? I want you to think bigger than the church. Because in the church world, we only talk about church gifts. Y'all here? (laughs) We talk about pastors and apostles and prophets and teachers and people that are in the church. But majority of people on the planet are not going to have church gifts. They're going to have gifts that are outside the church. But nobody really talks about those. But those are just as important as the gifts that are in the church. Those are just as valuable and maybe more valuable than the gifts that are in the church. So today when I'm talking, think bigger than, well, I'm not a pastor and I'm not a prophet. I'm not a, I'm not a teacher, so I can't really put God first in my gift. Think bigger than that. Now, some of you might be called to that, and that's great. But majority of you are not called to do a church gift. You're not called to do a church gift. You're not, you're not called to be a pastor. You're not called to be behind a pulpit. Your pulpit is out in the world, not here. And we need to talk about these things because you could have a grace on your life to do great things, but you're looking at preachers and apostles and teachers and feeling like if I'm not doing that, then I'm not really putting God first in my gift. And that's not true. So we need to think outside of the church when we're talking about these gifts today. Now, let's look at 1 Peter 4. You get anything so far? So when we're talking about these gifts, we're not talking about just spiritual gifts or church ministry gifts. We're talking about any kind of gift that God could give you to do something. 1 Peter 4. So we've all received gifts. We've all received grace. We've all received these talents that are divine and from God. And in 1 Peter 4.10 it says this, As each one has received a gift, minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Notice that each of us has received a gift. And now we need to minister to one another as good stewards or being responsible for what we've been given of the manifold grace of God. Why? Because these gifts and these graces come from God. Not from yourself. In verse 11 it says, If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. And if anyone ministers, let him do it as the ability which God supplies. That in all things God may be glorified through Christ Jesus. To him belong the glory, dominion forever and ever. Now I realize some of the things he just said there, he's talking about ministry gifts, but it's bigger than that. He said, each of us has received a gift. Every person in this place has received a gift. You were born with a gift. At least one. At least one. Some of you two. Some of you five. Maybe some of you ten. But each one has received at least one gift. And it says that we need to be what? Good stewards or we need to be responsible with the gift that we've been given. Because it comes from, notice, the manifold grace of God. It comes from the grace of God. We can't work for this gift. we got to receive this gift. It's by the grace of God. God has graced you to do something before you even did anything on this planet. So you didn't do anything to earn this gift. You have this, some people say you're naturally gifted in this area. No, it's not naturally gifted. It's God gifted. Let's just naturally do that. No, that's a God-given gift. Now, they might not be using it for the glory of God, but God has given them that gift, that grace, that talent to be used for His glory. Now, let's look back at Matthew 25. It's okay if I teach a little bit, right? Matthew 25 In Matthew 25, in verse, start in verse 15. Matthew 25, verse 15. So, it says, And to one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one. Notice, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. So, the master, which is symbolic of God, 
gave each one of these people a gift. And so he says he gave one, five, one, two, and one, one, according to his own ability. So God is going to give you a gift to your own ability. And he's only going to judge you on what he gave you. He's not going to judge you based off the person he gave five to if you only have one. Are you hearing me? He's not going to judge us on if we only had two and the person who had ten. We're only accountable for the ability he's given us. And so sometimes if we just look at earthly success... In worldly success, we could think that we're failing when we're really not. Because we're judging it based on somebody who has a hundred talents and we only have five. And so we need to think about this. When we're reading this story, it doesn't mean that we're all going to be held accountable for the person who had the most talents and ability. We're only going to be held accountable for what God has given us to do. And you need to think about this with your life. God is not going to judge you on what you did but what you did with what he gave you to do. Are you hearing me this morning? God's not going to judge you on what you did, but on what you did with what he gave you to do. You realize the person who is, who is called to have a country church in the sticks, out in the country with 40 people, and God has given them that ability, and that's what he's called them to do, they're going to get the same reward as somebody like Ryan Bonke in Africa who's had over 80 million people saved in his meetings. Now, worldly people would say, well, that's not fair because he did so much more, but God gave him so much more, so he's accountable for what he's been given. In the same way, the person who has 40 members in a country church and God gave them that ability and he gave them that responsibility, if they do what they're called to do, they're getting the same rewards. So that should give us all some freedom in here to breathe a little bit. God is not judging you on what everybody else is doing. He's only going to judge you and hold you accountable for what he's called you to do. Not just what you did. But let's think about this also. If the person who's in the country church with 40 people has 100 talents and is only using two of them, then they'll be accountable for that also. So we need to use what God has given us. We need to use what God has graced us to do. We have to use it. And we can't compare ourselves to other people based on what they're doing. You know, in the Old Testament with Moses, Moses couldn't pastor three million people. You know that, right? Come on. One person cannot pastor and take care of three million people. And so what happened with Moses? Moses, his father-in-law said, you need some help. He said, you need some help. <laughs> he spoke into his life and said, you need to get some other leaders in here. And he said, you need to put some over tens, some over hundreds, and some over thousands. Now, why did he split it up like that? Because different people have different abilities. Some people only have ten people ability. And don't get down on yourself. If that's your ability, do you. God's going to be well pleased with you when you get done if you have ten people ability. But notice some people have a hundred people ability. And when they did that, God was satisfied with that. But then there was other people that God said, they can be over thousands because I've given them that ability. And so each person that was given responsibility, he based that off of the divine ability that God had given them. So realizing here, all of us are not going to be over tens. All of us are not going to be over hundreds. All of us are not going to be over thousands or millions. We all have different gifts, and we all have different graces, and we all have different responsibility. We just have to do what God has given us to do. And we're only going to be accountable for that. Nothing else. God's not going to ask your husband or wife 
what they did because it's different from you. God's not going to ask the church down the street what they did compared to you. God's not going to ask your neighbor or the people you work with. He's going to talk to you. And so God will give us ability, but we're going to be accountable for what we've been given. So God will give us talents, grace, gifting in different areas. Now, when you read the Bible, something that you need to understand is majority of people in the Bible weren't all preachers. (laughs) They weren't all preachers. And sometimes we feel like if we're not behind a pulpit, we're not really using our gift for God. It's not true. Think about these men of God in the Bible. They weren't preachers. Abraham was a businessman. Isaac was a businessman. Jacob was a businessman. All these different people in the Bible. David was, yeah, he was a man of God, but he was a king. He was in government. Daniel was in government. There was people in the Bible, they talked about that there was different tribes that God graced to do different things. And it wasn't always preaching. Some people were gifted to build the temple. Some people were gifted to to have things happen in the marketplace and sell goods and services. God graced different people to do different things. And nobody was more important than one another. They were just different from one another. Because God has given different grace and gifts to different people to do different things. Now the reason we're talking about this, and and I know later on, maybe later on this year sometime, I want to talk about a whole series about this specific subject, about what God does with our work. Because we need to talk about this in the church world. Because a lot of people, they don't see the significance of what they do Monday through Friday. Oh, you don't want to talk. (laughs) They don't see the purpose of why they're going to a job Monday through Friday. They don't like it. They don't like what they do. They don't like their boss. They don't enjoy Monday through Friday. They're working for the weekend. Everybody's working for the week. Okay. If that's all your life is, working for the weekend, your life is sad right now. And that's what majority of people in the world do. They're waiting for the weekend. Even church people. They're waiting for happy hour at Applebee's. Which is sad just in itself to even say Applebee's. If you want to get even worse, TGI Fridays. Oh, my gosh. But you get so many free apps and free drinks for like $5. If that's the happiest hour of your day and your week, it's sad. I'm sorry. It's sad. But most people are working for the weekend, working for happy hour because they don't realize they have a gift and grace on their life to do something. And when you're living and moving and using the gift and the grace and the talent that God has put on your life, not just the weekends are exciting. Every day is exciting. Every moment is exciting. Every aspect of your life is exciting because you're using what God has called you to do. You're using the grace and the gifts of God to do something than just work nine to five. Just going to work with a horrible attitude. Like everybody else. Is that what God has called us to do? I don't think so. You listened to me this morning. I know I'm stepping on toes, but we're listening at the same time, right? So we need to realize that if we're going to put God first in our gifts and talents, we need to start understanding some of these things. The reason we've been thinking one way for so long is nobody will speak up and say anything different. Everybody's just like, go with the flow, just get a job, just work, you need money, okay. Living the American dream at Applebee's. Rocking it in the suburbs. That's it, that's life. 
I realize you guys live in the suburbs. I'm sorry. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? And maybe it's just from the generation I'm from, but we want to do something that's more than just 9 to 5, Monday through Friday. Just live and die and work and get a watch at the end of 40, 50 years and do nothing. But you made money and you lived in the suburbs. Is this too close to home? I'm sorry if it is. It could be just the generation I'm from because it's, it's a fact that people from my generation's We'd rather do something significant with our lives. Not that generations before us haven't wanted to do that. But we're not just satisfied to just work a job to work a job. All right, you get me off subject here. We're going to another message. I need to stay focused here. So we need to put God first in our talents, our, our work, our, our gifts, our abilities. Now, we're going to step on some sacred cattle. You all ready for this? be a lot of mooing going on here pretty soon. There has been a big um, division, especially in the church world. It's called the secular sacred divide. So this is what it is. Some people wouldn't know how to put it, but this is just the way it's kind of handed down what people think. So there is sacred work, which is being behind the pulpit. But then everything else that people do through the week that have other jobs outside of church is secular work. And it's made people downgrade what they're gifted and called to do because they think it's secular work. So that's why we have sacred music and secular music. We have sacred movies, which are usually horrible, Most of them, not all of them, but 95% of them are. And then we have secular movies. We have sacred restaurants and we have secular restaurants. We have sacred coffee shops, coffee crossing, and we have secular coffee shops. Because we don't want to intermingle. Yeah, oh, definitely Starbucks. The devil is a liar. You know Starbucks ain't right. You guys know that Starbucks coffee is horrible, right? You guys didn't know that? Yes, yes, confirmation. Starbucks coffee is horrible. You know that, right? They're selling you an experience. You bought into it. Okay, I'm sorry, but it is. Unless you get the sugary dessert in a cup drink, then it's okay. But everything else is not too good. Okay. All right. So anyways, you probably have heard that, or it's just kind of community standard. We, they're secular things, they're sacred things, and you don't mix them up. So you only listen to sacred music, you don't listen to secular music. You only go to sacred movies, which why would you do that? But you don't go to secular movies. You, uh, <laughs> they're, they're really bad, most of them are. You know they are. Um, but you feel bad for them because they're talking about God. So how can, you, how can you give a bad review for a movie that's talking about God? All right. So there's this sacred and secular divide. And it's been in especially American culture for a long time, which is not necessarily the world of the Bible. It's not necessarily how they think even in the Eastern world. But in the Western world, we have a way of thinking which is sacred and secular. Now, there's a problem there because it's made people that work outside of church feel like they're not really putting God first in their gifts. They're not using the grace of God on their life. They're not giving glory to God when they're working, which is not true. And so they think, only when I'm at church in the ministry helps am I really serving God. Which, that's important. That's important. But that's not the only time. We're serving and giving glory to God or putting our gift first. You still with me? So we need to realize that this sacred and secular divide needs to get out of our thinking. Because God has graced people all over the planet to do things for God 
and it's not necessarily in the four walls of the church. Now, this is what, what goes back to some people will say, well, if you don't put John 3.16, you don't put a cross on everything you make, then you're creating secular stuff. If all your songs are not overtly, Jesus loves me, this I know, then you're a secular artist. If you work in the business field and you don't say John 3.16 after every report you give, then you're a secular person. But that's not what makes it sacred or secular. Just because you wear a Christian t-shirt to work or you carry your Bible to work, which wouldn't hurt. Uh, you don't have Christian earrings. You're not just blasting 88.5, which is horrendous. And <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> you got to call it. You got to call for what it is. And, you know, to be honest here, I'm sorry, church people. We just got to talk here. I've been in church all my life. But when, when people that are really in the world hear Christian radio, they laugh because it's that bad. All right, that's the side note here. That's why we don't play that kind of music here. We play good music here because there's plenty of good Christian artists out there to listen to that are making good music that anybody can respect, but usually not Christian radio. I'm sorry. I know some of you like Christian radio. I apologize. I told you I'm hitting sacred cows. They're falling left and right. You were with me for the first two services, but this is a little different. I realize that. Okay. So we give God the first place in our talents. So uh, whether it's sacred or secular is not what we do. Listen to me. It's who we do it for. What makes our job sacred or secular is not what we do, it's who we do it for. So you realize the the doctor that's at work all day, giving glory to God for that gift he's given, that's a sacred work. That artist that's making art for the kingdom of God and doing it for the glory of God, that's sacred work. If you're a CEO of a company making finances and you're not making it for yourself or just your business, you're doing it for the kingdom of God, that's not a secular job. That's sacred work. Because it's not about what you do. It's about who you do it for. And you could be a barista, not at Starbucks, at Quills, Justin. And the whole time, you're giving glory to God, whether you mention His name or not, because you're doing it for Him him and unto Him and for His glory. So when you're at your job doing it for Him and not for yourself, you have a sacred work. And that's where a lot of the church world, there's the disconnect. The weekends are important. Monday through Friday stink. Because they don't see the purpose in what they're doing. But notice if we start looking at it like this, that when I go to work, it's not just to go to work. This is a sacred office. This is a sacred work because I'm not doing it for myself and I'm not even just doing it for this company. I'm doing it for God to bring glory to God. And when you do that, God will use that gift or that grace in your life. Or maybe you own your own business. You're making stuff. You're designing stuff. You're taking pictures. You're you're filming stuff. Or maybe you're doing stuff from your house. You're selling things. Whatever it is, if you're doing it for Him, it's a sacred work to God. And that's how you're putting Him first. So it's not what we do, our job title. It's who we do it for. That's why you need to be the best carpenter you can be. Be the best mechanic you can be. Be the best lawyer you can be. Be the best dentist you can be. Be the best student you can be. Why? Because when you're doing it, you're not just doing it for your employer. You're not just doing it to pay the bills. You're doing it unto Him. And so now your work's not secular. Ooh. It's sacred. 
So it's not what we do, it's who we do it for that makes the difference. You know, you could be a CEO of a company making millions of dollars and doing it for the glory of God, and that's a sacred work, just like this is a sacred work. Some people don't see it that way, but it's that way. Because, let me say this one more time, majority of the gifts that are in the body of Christ are not church gifts. They're gifts that are supposed to be in the world, not in the church. And majority of you in here, you don't have church gifts. You have outside gifts. And we need to get moving with them. Because that's how we make a difference. That's how we make an impact. That's how we have significance on Monday through Saturday and not just Sunday. Because we realize what we're doing is not secular work. It's sacred unto God because I'm putting God first in my talent, in the grace, in the gift that he's given me. And it's important what I do. And you know what? That will make you going to work and the way you act when you're at work and what you do when you're there a lot different when you realize it's sacred. You will be the best employee that anybody's ever had when you realize that this is a sacred thing to God, not just my employer. It changes even the way you work. So it's not about what we do, it's about who we do it for. You still here? Let's look down at verse 25. Verse 25. I know I chased some rabbit trails, shot a couple things of cattle while we were at it, and uh, it's all good. So it's not about what we do, it's about who we do it for. Let me read you um, a quote out of this book. Everybody listening? It says, your talent can either be a tool or a toy. Glorifying God with your talents makes it a useful tool. Glorifying yourself with your talent makes it a useless toy. Tools help others. Toys help only you. God wants our talents to be his tools, not our toys. So let's read verse 25. In verse 25, this is talking about the last servant who was given one. And it says, in verse 25, I was afraid, so I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, therefore, you have what is yours. I was afraid... So I hid your talent in the ground. Now we all know in here the number one reason why we're not doing what we need to do with our grace is fear. It's fear for all of us in here. And Jesus just gets to the heart of the matter. Why did the other two do something with what they've been given, but one didn't do anything? He was afraid. And he said... I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Look, therefore, you have what is yours. I was afraid, so I hid. I was afraid, so I hid. Same thing in Genesis. Adam and Eve in the garden, they messed up. They weren't doing what they've been called to do, the grace of God on their life. What did they do? They were afraid, so they hid. And so I just want to ask you today, I'm not trying to condemn anybody today. I'm just trying to challenge you. What's holding us back from fulfilling the grace and the gift on our life is fear. And when we're afraid, we hide what we've been given. I know that there's a lot of people in here, you have so much more in you than you're using in your life right now. You have so much more potential and grace and gifts and dreams and businesses and ideas on the inside of you right now. Why are you not doing it? Fear. And that's not putting God first in our gifts. And we can say on Sunday morning, I want to put you first in my gift. And God's saying, well, you got to use it to put it first. You got to use those grace and the gifts and the talents that I put on the inside of you and stop hiding it for fear. I could say probably every one of us in here at least have one thing they could think of that you've been hiding from a long time because you're afraid if you step out, you're going to fail. 
But that's not putting God first in what He's given you because when you get to the end of your life, He's going to hold you accountable for that gift, whether you used it or not. It says in the New Testament, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. That means if you're called to do something and you never do it, you're still going to be accountable for it when you get to heaven. If you were called to be a truck driver and you were a preacher, you're going to be held accountable for that. And if you drove a truck and you're supposed to be a preacher, you're going to be held accountable for that. And if you worked some job for for years and years and years just so you can make some money, but God had called you to do something different, you're going to be accountable for that. And it's not because God's mad at you, or it's not because God wants to get you, it's because God has put that in you to do something great, to do something amazing. And He knows you'll never be satisfied until you live in that grace that God has given you. You'll never be fulfilled until you, you just keep going Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. I'm doing a job. I know I'm not graced to do it, but I'm just making money because you got to make money to live in the suburbs and have the American dream. You know, you got to have two kids, two dogs, two cats, two cars, whatever. But if you're not satisfied and fulfilled, what is the stinking point? Too honest on a Sunday morning? Because God has put those grace and gifts and talents on the inside of us. And if we hide it, we're not putting God first in our talents. We're not putting God first in the grace and the gifts that he's given us. If we hide it. And I'm not condemning you because I've done it, you've done it, we've all done it. We've all been afraid to step out because we think we're going to fail. You're afraid to start that business and you know you're supposed to start a business because you'll think you'll fail. You're afraid to move out of your one job because there's security there. And you know that there's a job over here that you're called to do and grace to do, but you won't step out because of fear. It all goes back to fear. The man said, I was afraid, so I hid it. The thing is, other people can't see that you hid it, but God can see that you hid it. And he wants us today, all of us in here, to stop hiding. Stop hiding our gifts. Stop hiding our grace. Stop hiding our talents and step out. I'm not talking about being prideful and arrogant. I'm talking about using the grace of God on your life and stepping out. And not being afraid to use what he's given. Because really, think about this. If he's graced you to do it, then how can you fail? If he's gifted you to do it, then how can you fail? But a lot of us think, if I step out and do this, then I I could probably fail. That's the enemy. And that's fear. So my desire for this church and for this year is, yeah, we put God first in our time and our treasure, but we put God first in our talent. And I got more to say about this. This will come at a different season in this year. Because we need to talk about this and the significance of using the talent that God has put in us for His glory. Outside of the four walls of this church. For His glory, for His grace. Because He's given us those gifts. There are things in your life that you can do better than others can because you're graced to do it. You know there's always something in your life. Everybody could say something. That there's something in your life that just comes easy to you. That you're able to do. That you have a, just a gift or you know, you're just turned that way. What is that? That's not just human nature. That is the grace and gifts of God. And we need to use it. And not to hide it. Because when we use it, Not only are we using it for His glory, but He's going to bring provision when we use what He's given us. He's not going to just let us step out and fail. I'm not saying you're going to make a million dollars the first day you step out. But I am saying this, if we're really in the will of God, using the grace and gifts that He's called us to do, there's going to be provision with that. So not only are you fulfilled... 
and joyful that you're in your right assignment, but provision will come when you're in God's grace. You still listening? We're going to close here in a second. You know, it's been said that the wealthiest place on earth is the graveyard. The wealthiest place on the planet is the graveyard. Because there's books that were never written. There were callings that were never fulfilled. There were songs that were never written. There were movies that were never made. There were kids that were never taught. There were ideas that never came to pass. There were dreams that never happened because somebody hid their gift. That's the wealthiest place on the planet is the graveyard. The shoulda, coulda, woulda people. You ever heard those people? Well, you know, when I was younger, I could have. I had the opportunity to. I almost wrote that book. I almost wrote that song. I almost started that business. I almost could have done it. You know, I could have, I could have been the mayor. I almost could have. I could have had my own business, you know. I, I could have been in the ministry. Do we want to live our lives like that? <laughs> because the wealthiest place on the earth is the graveyard. We don't want to take what God has given us and leave it and hide it because we're afraid. To use what God has called us to do. And once again, sometimes we look at certain jobs as, well, that's important, but that's just a menial task. There's nothing menial in the kingdom of God. There's nothing insignificant in the kingdom of God. There's no job unimportant in the kingdom of God. It all has significance. It all has importance because if you're using the gift and the grace on your life, You have a sacred work. It knows you're putting God first in your talent. So the graveyard is the wealthiest place on earth. Let me read this. We're closing in a second here. It's a preacher joke, right? You could laugh. It's a preacher joke. (laughs) Closing in a minute. 20 minutes later. Closing in a minute. 30 minutes later. We're still good. It's 1137. Listen to this. It says, death isn't the greatest loss in life. The greatest loss is what dies inside of us while we live. (laughs) That's what we're talking about. Letting those gifts and grace and talent die on the inside of it. Why? Because we hide it. Because we're afraid. Notice this. He says, without passion, a part of us becomes dead. And if we're not careful, we could end up like a person whose tombstone read, died at 30, but buried at 60. Are you here this morning? So many people give up before they're stepping into the best time of their life. So many people stop short. When God has put all these grace and gifts on the inside of them, like he says, they died at 30 or 40, 50, but then we just bury them later on. But they've been dead for years. Don't let that be one of us. There's no excuse with the Spirit of God living on the inside of us that nothing has to die on the inside of us. That all the grace and gifts and talents that he's given us can come alive this year in a new way. And we're not going to let it just be dormant and die. And we're not going to hide it because we're afraid we might fail. And I just want to encourage you today. I'm not just talking about 30 and under people. Where are you at? Older generation. God doesn't put a time limit and say, well, you're getting towards retirement. Then all the gifts have dried up in your life. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. They're there for the rest of your life. 
The grace of God is on you the rest of your life. Whether you're seven, seven, or 77 or 7, whether you're 80, 90, 100, whether you're 40 or 50, whatever age you are, the grace of God, the gifts of God, the talent is in you right now. Is there. It doesn't go away. Once God's given it, it doesn't go away. So let's not be like those people who just give up after a while. Let their dreams die. Let those gifts die. Like it says, they died at 30, but we buried them at 60. No, we're not going to be like those people. Because we're going to put God first in our talent. In Matthew 25 and verse... 28 it says therefore take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents for to everyone who has more will be given and he will have an abundance but from him who does not have even what he has will be taken away so there's a principle here if we don't use it we lose it not that the grace or the gift will ever leave your life but just he'll use somebody else other than you to use it But here's another encouraging thing on on this parable. He says, if we use what God has given us, and He can trust us, He'll give us more if we use the grace of God on our life. So for all of you who feel like, well, you know, I only got one, we'll use it. And God says, if you use one, I'll give you more. And then if you use that, I'll give you more. Because if you've been faithful over little, you'll be faithful over much. So that's encouraging for all of us in here. We don't have to just stop when we just use one gift that's on our life. God can give us more. God can add grace to our life. God can add gifts to our life. God can add talents and abilities to our life. If we're faithful with what he's given us. You know, I've been reading recently uh, this book by John Maxwell. Some of you know who John Maxwell is. Uh, he, he knows a lot about leadership. But just the title alone says it. And he said this, talent is never enough. Because he said, the world is full of talented people, gifted people, grace people. Everybody on the planet is. Everybody has something. But it's not enough that you're just talented and graced. You have to use it. You have to take action. You have to move forward. You can't keep hiding it and expect the grace of God to move in your life. You've got to stop being afraid. You've got to stop hiding the things that God has put in you. Because talent is not enough to make you a success in this life. And I feel so strongly that God wants to use this church and everyone in it more than they've ever been used. Not in the house of God. Out there. Use those gifts. Use those grace. Use those talents. And we need to stop hiding it. Start using what God has given us. Because that's how we put God first in our talent. Can we close our eyes for a moment? Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this service. Father, we just pray right now as a congregation... Nobody looking around, but if that pertains to you today and you say, you know what? Either I have been afraid and I haven't stepped out. And I know that there's things in me, but I've been hiding it because I'm afraid. Or maybe you just been working your job and you are graced to do it, but you've been having the wrong attitude about it. You don't see the significance that what you're doing is actually sacred and it's holy unto God. You can glorify God with what you do. Nobody looking around, but could you raise your hand? I want to pray for you for a moment. Father, we thank you right now. We see these hands, and you see people's hearts. And Father, we thank you right now for the grace and the gifts and the talents that are in people right now. And I speak right now as your servant that those things would come alive like never before. That those talents, those gifts, those graces would spring forth like never before. That Father God, that we would see the significance of what we do Monday through Saturday, that it can be sacred and unto you, Father. And Father, we thank you right now 
for anybody who's been hiding because they're afraid that the spirit of fear will leave right now in the name of Jesus. That we command fear to go in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Father God, that we're not going to hide anymore what you called us to do. We're not going to hide because we're afraid. We're going to use it for your glory and for your kingdom. Father, we just thank you right now. I'm believing right now in 2016, everybody in this room, that dreams would come alive again, that plans would come alive again, that divine ideas would come alive again, that, Father, the grace and the gifts that you called people to do, that they would, they would come forth, that you would speak to people about what they should do in the future and their next steps. And, Father, we thank you that things that have been dormant in our lives are coming alive right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit. You're the one who gave us these gifts, so you're the one who can bring them alive again. And we thank you for gifts and graces and talents coming alive in the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you for it today. And we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, that we're not just going to be hearers, but we're going to be doers. And the Father, that today after this message, we're going to look at what we do and what we're called to do differently. Because we want to put you first in our talent. We thank you for this. We thank you for just safety today as we leave. We thank you for a great week. In Jesus' name, amen.